1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time, where I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Visser. Um, And to remind you guys, of course, of our great friends at Fairway, who are the official sponsors of wrestling content here at Cyclone Fanatic. As always, we're extremely lucky to have a company like Fairway who has invested in not only wrestling, but wrestling at Psycho Fanatic. Today, we have a very exciting guest for you guys. Um, not only is it Big 12 Championship time, but Kyvan Gadsen is joining Ben and I uh, tonight, or I guess, as you guys will be listening to it on Wednesday. Um, Kyvin, thank you so much for joining Ben and I. How are you doing today? Ben, you as well, how are you guys doing?
0: I'm doing great. It's awesome to have Kevin on here for Big 12 Championship Week. He's obviously a three-time Big 12 champion himself, so um, we got the perfect guy.
1: I, I appreciate that, Ben. Thank you, Ben and Jacqueline. Like I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be on. Um,
2: I was uh, yesterday. I was at the women's basketball game, and we were some of the other media members, and I were talking about how. The season's almost over, but it's also the most exciting time of the year and the busiest time of the year. So I'm excited you could join us to talk about the Big 12 Championship, especially given just how much um, excitement there is around this Big 12 Championship. I know from a lot of what Ben and I have discussed, it's just how far this program has come and where they currently stand. Um, So we would definitely love to just kind of pick your brain, you know, and start off as someone who's very close to the program, I mean, you're in the practice room with the guys. You know, what has the season been like from your perspective? And um, you know, what have you seen out of these guys from the beginning to where they are now?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing they've been, in my opinion, is they've been consistent. There hasn't been there hasn't been a lot of up and downs. You know, like if you look throughout the the lineup from 25 up to heavyweight it's been consistent and it's been consistent in the good things in terms of fight, effort, toughness, the willingness to come in day in and day out and embrace whatever it is that the coaching staff is going to throw at them. Um, And that's not always an easy thing to do, especially when You have, you know, things going on outside of the sport and that impact the inside of the sport. So I think the guys have been truly consistent. I think they've been resilient, um, especially after the start to December. That was pretty rough, I think, for the team, but I think it was was also a wake up call. Like, hey, if, if you want to create and do something special, it's going to take everyone and we have to do it essentially right now because you know tomorrow isn't promised so i was to be able to be around and watch the team grow and continue to just kind of pick up steam has been really exciting
0: absolutely you you mentioned consistency being the key for this team and i think it's for anyone who watches and observes closely I think you can see that. That's evident week in and week out. These guys are going out there and perform. they're performing at the level that they're expected to each and every weekend. As a former and current championship level wrestler yourself, how difficult is it to find that consistency within a season, especially in a sport like wrestling where it's a two-semester sport, you have a Christmas break in there, you have a Thanksgiving break in there, These guys, and then now they're in the stretch run right now where consistency week in and week out can be a little bit difficult because it's hard to stay at that high level each and every week. How difficult is it to find that consistency?
1: I think it's extremely difficult. I think the, from what we've seen and the the way the results have worked out for Iowa State, it, it seems like the staff is doing a really good job of making sure the guys are where they need to be when they need to be. I think when you look at the, even the last two duels the you and i and the missouri i don't think i would say could say like they wrestled their absolute best but they still found ways how to win and when you get to that place that means you're doing something really really right right it is oh, we didn't wrestle our best, but we still found a way to win, right? Enough guys stepped up, and now you get to this individualistic part of the season where the best thing you can do for the team is do the best thing for yourself. And so you got 10 guys, and you got the other 30 guys all focused on making sure these 10 starters have the best experience possible. Um, I just think that's extremely Valuable and important in terms of trying to close out, or yeah, trying to close the Big Twelve championships with the tournament. Just trying to close that in a proper way um, as they're coming in here like zero zero, Everybody's zero and zero right now, right? And so, based off like pre-seeds and things like that doesn't really matter anymore, right? It's a big 12 championships. Lots of things happen. Upsets will happen. Hopefully we're on the the lesser end of that. And, and there's guys that are wrestling for us that get some big upsets, you know, and the, those are all the things that are going to make – and shape that team race down there in Tulsa. And then even moving forward in the Nationals, those are things that are going to matter is those little details and getting the extra takedown or getting that major decision, um, taking that score from beating them by seven to beating them by nine, you know, so you can get that major decision or going out there and getting like pins and things. Those are going to – those advancement points are going to be huge.
0: Yeah, you mentioned, obviously, we're a tournament time now, Big 12 tournament. Um, the narrative around this Iowa State team from the outside has been that it's a good dual meet team. It's a top five dual meet team. And I think there's some narrative out there. And I was a little bit a part of that. I bought into it for a while that it might not be a great tournament team. Obviously, you got guys like David Carr, Ian Parker, younger Bastida could do really well in a tournament but how many guys are really going to place high level at a tournament? I've changed my tune on this a little bit. I think Iowa state could be a really good tournament team. What does it take? What's the difference between a good tournament team and a good dual meet team? And why do you think Iowa state might be poised to be a good tournament team and prove people wrong?
1: Well, I think the difference, the difference between a tournament team and a dual meet team is matchups, just head to head matchups. again, I would say it's really solid just throughout the whole lineup. They have, about I think every nine of the 10 guys are ranked in the top 25 um, with one that probably just missed, you know, being in that, that top 33. So I think that's something that is extremely valuable for them. But I think when it gets down to the tournament time, what it comes down to is individual needs, right? It, and in a way, like selfishness or taking care of yourself, maybe not selfishness, but putting self first and recognizing, OK, the best thing I could do in this situation is take care of myself. It doesn't matter what David's doing. It doesn't matter what Ian's doing. It doesn't matter what Sam Schuyler's doing. Right. I need to do what I need to do to get myself ready to keep myself at peace, to keep myself in a proper mind frame, to compete and perform at a high level. And if I do those things, then I'm going to go out there and I can wrestle freely with full effort, um, not engulfed by the consequences, you know, of what can happen. And that's how I'm going to score the most points and be the most effective person for, for the team. So I think it comes down to individual needs, you know, each guy knowing what they need, how they need to be talked to, how they need to cool down, where they need to keep their weight, what they need to put in their body. Um, Like all year, it's about learning your science, right? Or perfecting your science. And then you get to big 12s and nationals and you – put everything that you learn together to make sure you have the greatest, you know, experiment possible.
2: How have you seen those younger guys really work on honing that part of themselves, especially a guy like, you know, Kaisen Tarakina who's had a pretty good season, but then there's been those moments of slip ups and coach touched on this a bit right before the I duel. He had just some issues with, you know, how he was eating during the week. You know, how have you seen those guys? And really from someone who used to be in their shoes, how do you get yourself to that place still being so young?
1: I think there's a, a multitude of ways, but I think the biggest one is self-awareness. And I think Kyson has grown tremendously in in self-awareness. If we're um, just looking at him personally, it's just like his his want to win. You know, he was... He was undefeated well, all the until February of the season. Then he lost a couple, won some big ones as well. And so I think that just showed him, like, when I do things right, I give myself a really good chance at winning. When things might be a little bit out of order or I slip up, it's going to be harder. And it, it makes it tougher on myself. And so when – I was a guy that kind of needed to experience it for myself, um, meaning need to experience the highs and lows or um, what my dad used to say is a hard head makes a soft behind. So I wasn't too, too solid on like listening to all the advice um, and that created heartache for me. Right. And so it always depends on what type of kid the person is. Some kids need to, hear it and see it. Um, Some people need to feel it to make it real. Um, And so I think Kyson is maybe the type of kid that needs to feel it and experience it for himself. And I think he's experienced some of those things for himself. So I think he's learning to make those adjustments, but it's hard, right? Like you have all these different distractions and things going on in your life that people don't see. And all people see is the six or seven, seven seven minutes or more um usually that you're on the mat right and they're making a determination on your character based off those seven minutes and there's so much more to it but a lot of character does show in those seven seven minutes or more based off the preparation and the choices you made beforehand and so one of the things I learned is like you're a product of your decisions, um, not a product of your circumstances, you know? And so I heard that from one of the football players, Anthony Johnson, he's like, you know, my decisions put me in this place, you know? And so I think the guys on the team realize that it's their ability to make proper decisions for themselves is what's going to lead to ultimately them having the highest success. And when they have that type of success, that's going to feed into the team having a high level of success as well.
0: Absolutely. That's a phenomenal quote from your dad, by the way. That's that's funny. He Um, he was a, he was a different dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What? So Kyson Tarakino, probably a guy who needs to learn by doing, but for the guys who um, maybe aren't so hard-headed, if I can say that, How important is it to have guys like Ian Parker, Jarrett Dagan, David Carr as well, we could throw in there, Marcus Coleman, um, to lead by example, to have those guys set examples for guys, um, younger guys to, hey, this is how we're going to prepare. This is how we're going to do things once we get down there. How important is it to have that experience, which Iowa State does have? I think it's it's
1: priceless or it's like invaluable, right? Like you can't put a, a real value on it because they're, they're guys that are setting the standard, right? Like they're creating and shifting, shifting the standard, right? Like they're making it, okay, this is who we are as a team. This is how we behave. This is our culture. This is how we carry ourselves. This is how we win. This is how we lose if we do, you know? Um, And so I think it's, it's like priceless, but is it, it's super important just to have guys that they can come in and see that want to win that believe they can win that train, like they can win and then that go out and do it because it's easy to say, Oh, this person does everything right. But if that isn't showing results, then how easy is it going to get be to get someone to buy in? Right. And so you're seeing someone like David who we all know David was extremely talented, um, comes from great stock, and was on was a blue chip recruit, right? Like we all we all knew that about David. But I think the things that speak the most value about David is how he works when no one's watching, or what he does after a practice all week, or the type of time and effort he puts in to watch and film, asking questions, delving into himself, you know, and trying to figure out how he can be a better person and bring the best out of his teammates. I think a thing about Marcus Coleman, right. You saw him, you know, move around weights a few different times. And last year you got a glimpse of, you know, pieces of how good he could be. And now you see him at probably his more proper weight class and, you see him shining really bright right and so he's built himself to that it wasn't you know like he didn't just land there like he didn't come in as a as a true freshman and you know go he didn't have the same type of start to his career like a David Carr, right? Like where you go 19 and one and you know, win every single tournament you're in outside of the first one. You know, like he didn't have that. So he's built himself to here along with you know support from his family, his coaches, his training partners. I mean, even younger Bastida, right? Like he's built himself to here um through, you know, the consistency, the dedication. And and it's the same way with I think all those 10 guys in the lineup probably outside of like, and even David's built himself to here, right? Like uh, you don't just get here by accident, just end up at the top. Right. And so that's the one thing I know that's important to David is just like the amount of work he puts in can sometimes get downplayed because of who his dad is or because of the family legacy. And it's like, that's really not how it works folks. You know, like there were, there were, there's, there's a whole lot more to it than just, Oh, he was born with the last name car, you know? And so I think he, he really values that work. And I think you got, like you talked about the guys that have built themselves up to be national caliber, highly ranked guys that can compete for big 12 titles and NCAA titles and all American honors. I think that's extremely important. I think that's the thing that the coaching staff would probably be most proud of is this, that these young men have built themselves to this place. It wasn't like just given to them.
0: Yeah. You talked about younger Bastida building himself to this spot two years ago at this time, he'd never wrestled folk style. He's uh-huh. always a freestyle guy down in Cuba, um, obviously immigrated to the U S what has his transition to folk style as a person who's in the room, what does his transition to folk style look like? Because even last year to this year, night and day, from my perspective, what, what have you seen from younger and his progression into folk style? And obviously he's beaten some really high level opponents this year and he's looked really good doing it too.
1: I would say it's looked like. I would say <laughs> it's looked like gardening in a way, right? Like you plant something, you water it, nothing happens. Leave it out in the sun, you continue to water it. Still doesn't look like anything's happening. Right. And I, again, it, it all comes down to like the consistency. Like younger worked extremely hard last year in the off season. Um, And there was a lot of demands put on him, you know, coming in, how he came in, like he came in late, you know, to the process, I would say. And so he had to make a lot of adjustments. Like, can you imagine, think about it like this. This is how I like to have people think about it. Ben, you're you, you're good at what you do. Jackie, you're you, you're good at what you do, right? Now, let's take you to Cuba and drop you off. And, you know, maybe one person. Now go thrive. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard adjustment. Like now, not only do you have to thrive, you have to go to school and thrive, right? You got to stay eligible. You got to learn a whole new language. Um, And so like, there's a, there's a lot of things that people, again, were judging off of seven minutes that can't be confined to seven minutes, you know? And like, I think that's extremely important to note is like, yeah, you can look at someone seven minutes and be like, ah, oh, you know, like, oh, they're amazing, you know? But you can also look like, oh, you can also look and be like, wow, I wonder what's leading to this, this amazement, right? To this product that they're putting out. And I think Youngers ha- has had the ability since last year ended, how it ended um, with him, you know, Marcus Coleman getting the spot and him not, you know, competing at Big 12s. Um, they made a decision just through conversation and through the goals of themselves, you know, like younger Marcus, David Parker, all them guys collaborating and being like, yo, like if we really want to win as a team and not just as individuals, I think if we put this lineup together, we can be really tough to beat. So I think it was um some team led stuff that really shifted the lineup and put these guys in these places that they're in now and when you got two of your best guys in the lineup right next to each other banging heads in practice um, but then cheering each other on and like trying to help each other after practice because there's no ill will or ill feelings about you know trying to make the lineup and things like that you have you have something special happening because you want to see that person be successful because that helps you be successful. So I would say, again, it's, it's kind of like gardening, you know, like you, you plant and you consistently, you know, you know, water it, get the sunlight and try to make those things happen. And then I think we're watching, you know, younger Bastida bloom into, um, a, a really a decent folk style wrestler that could really become a really good folk style wrestler over the, based off you know like eye tests over the course of the next you know three weeks or two weeks two and a half weeks and then even moving past that um depending on how nationals go you could start to consider him, you know great you know so it'll be interesting to see how things shake out for younger but i know he's a, a high level competitor and he wouldn't be where he is now in terms of, you know, his ranking and the success he's had and the people he's beat if he wasn't that person.
0: Yeah, you mentioned. So obviously he you you yourself transitioned from folk style to freestyle. He's transitioning from freestyle to folk style. How difficult do you think that would be to do it the the opposite way as we as Americans would tend to view it?
1: I think it would be tough, especially if you've never done it. Like that's the difference is like when we're growing up as kids in America, we do all the styles for the most part, right? Like they don't wrestle folks out whatsoever. So it's it's a different understanding. It's a different grind. I think folks is a little bit harder in terms of what's expected from you and the output and how to manage a match like with your, your, your mat. Matt i q and things like that. it's just a little bit a little bit harder um in certain ways in other aspects, you know, freestyle is harder, so and then just the longevity of a folk style season in college nCA wrestling, like younger didn't have any weeks off, you know what I'm saying like his January through February, he was wrestling top fifteen guys. Like if you I don't know what his his RPI RPI is, um, but it has to be up there. Or his like strength of schedule has to be up there um with any of the other, you know, 197 pounders. Not even put it up against probably a lot of guys in the in the nation, you know. So he's wrestled, you know, basically all the top guys except for the big 10 guys, right? So I'm excited to see what he does with this opportunity because I know he's been waiting on it. Um, especially after last year, and so uh, I, I believe he's extremely excited.
0: Yeah, and then the last thing on younger for me. A um, couple years ago, 2016 it might have been. You went to a tournament down in Cuba and wrestled a young younger Bestida. Yeah, and I believe you lost to him. Correct? Yeah, I lost six. <laughs> lost
1: lost six to six on criteria and freestyle. Yeah, yeah. That
0: was, that was 20, 2017. 2017. Okay. What did it look like and feel like to wrestle younger Bastida at that time? Because that was at 97 kilos, which is 213 pounds, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, what did he look like, feel like at that weight? And are you at all surprised at what he can do on a wrestling mat that we're seeing now this year? Absolutely not. I'm not surprised one bit. Um, so I was
1: beating younger six to two and like February is like the, I would say the, um, like the beginning of the freestyle season. So I wouldn't say I was in like spectacular shape. Um, so I was down there with David and um, Nate Carr Sr. And um, I was, I remember I was beating younger six to two. I think David had a match coming up or something. Um, and something happened, right? And I was just like, and then next thing I know, I'm like, it's tied like six six. I'm like, what? what? And it, it wasn't <laughs> like, um, like some of the stuff younger does is just like freakish. It's just like, where did he just go? All right. Like you take a shot and it's like, he's not there anymore. Or like you're in on a shot and you feel like you have this great opportunity to score. And he, you know, I would say finesses his way out of it. So (laughs) I I really want to find the video because I want to know what happened. Cause I know I was winning six to two and I know I lost six, six. And so like, there's, we probably had like a break or something after he like took me down. Um and I probably had some time to like maybe like 15, 20, 30 seconds to like go score. Um and, and didn't score. But um yeah, what what I've what I've been able to see him do is just like, man, this dude is like this dude is like really good, you know? And so it's been it's been fun to be his training partner. I mean, he helped me a lot uh while I was getting ready for like Olympic trials. Um, and just getting that feel back, um, because I was, I had been injured leading up to Olympic trials. And so, um, I think he was a big reason why I was able to, uh, get back and get healthy because, or compete like I did at the trials, because I had a high level training partner in the room with me that I knew if I didn't show up prepared and ready to go, that I was going to get my butt kicked. And even if I did some days that still was going to happen, you know? And so, when you have someone like that to be able to train with, um, it's, it's really like just amazing for your ability. And like, again, you said he he wrestled, you know, freestyle his whole life. So he could give me pointers. And then, then over summer, you know, like it was me working on him with his folk style, you know. So I think we fed off each other and really complimented each other really well.
2: How huge was it? Or really for you looking back, you know, you said you were leading six to two and I feel like guys that he's competing against right now. I'm trying to think of what match I would want to pinpoint, but we've seen him and Ben, you might have a better recollection, but. Well, even his last match against, Elam
0: against Missouri, he was down late and he yeah. came back and won it for. Yeah. Down four just, zero at the start of the you know third.
2: Watch him. Something just flips. You just watch it happen. And I just, I can't imagine what it feels like when you're the one competing him, when he suddenly hits that stride and he just doesn't stop. And I'm just so curious of what goes through his head when he channels it.
1: Well, I think, um, I think I saw Scott Christofferson say this um, from Cyclone Fanatics. Um, one of the biggest compliments someone can give you is call is to call you a winner. Right. I think that's what he said. in that can be, you can kind of, I think you can be born with it. And I think it can be developed to a, to a higher level. You know, some people just like competing more than other people. And some people develop that competitiveness. And I think younger is a person that wants to win. And I've seen how he's trained. I've seen how he's grown, how he's challenged himself. And in doing that, it's like it would have been easy down four zero to be like, Oh, this match is out of hand. You know, I haven't got to take down in five minutes, you know, like I'm like out of it. Right. But when you're a winner, you don't give yourself those type of outs. You know, you know, you don't say, Oh, I'm down this much. It's okay. If I lose, you know, and I think younger is a person that shines brighter, uh, in, in the bigger situation. And I think he did exactly that. And he, he got back a match that i think he felt like he should have won last year you know just in terms of skill level and his ability to go score points you know like he, he took that kid down twice in the i think first period last year and this year he and and that and last year he lost right and this year he took him down twice in the um in the third period uh, gets a, a late stalling call to send it into overtime and then he goes and gets another takedown to solidify the match and so i just think that speaks about his, his toughness his his want to win his ability to go win um and again he's still a he's a he's a baby at folk style wrestling so I don't know how well that bodes for the rest of the country when he actually really starts to <laughs> really understand, you know, folk style wrestling and the in the details of it. Because I still like when I look at him, I still consider him a, a young young man that wrestles freestyle, but or as a freestyler wrestling folk style still. But he's definitely developing the proper proper habits and to To be successful for, I think, a sustained, um, s- consistent p- period of time.
2: What do you think it does for the rest of the team, and especially the younger guys? Like I said, like Ramazan, you know, to have a guy like younger who is just so you know strong and powerful and explosive on the mat, but you know, hasn't had necessarily the easiest journey. You said like he didn't he's obviously extremely talented, but his journey right now is very different from other people's and maybe not so much Ramazan who's in a similar situation as him, but what does it do for a team to have someone like younger to, you know, watch and train with? And I mean, eventually you would hope that he would become, you know, a leader and a strong voice in the room for the rest of the team.
1: Yeah. And I think um, what it does is it energizes a lot of the guys, Right. Like when you got a teammate that is like, yo, like I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm gonna just keep working. I'm gonna keep chopping away. I think it energizes people. I think some people it can it can scare because it looks like talent, but it works like a like a he works, you know, and that's the part that can't be overstated, is it's not just a talent. He's had to make a ton of adjustments from culture to not being able to see family, to language, to, you know, different style of wrestling. So again, I think it it energizes a lot of people. I think it can scare some people, but I think it elevates to that standard that the program wants to be at, that there's not a reason why you can't be successful if you really want to be successful. Uh, Younger isn't giving himself any excuses. I mean, I think if you'd asked him, he felt like he was supposed to be an NCAA champ last year, right? Even off of, you know, three, three four months of folks wrestling, he felt like he was supposed to be winning, you know? And so when you got people with that type of confidence around you, I think it should, should elevate, you know, the confidence of other people around you. Like, yo, let's put in this work and let's go – Let's go show what we're capable of.
0: If we move down a weight to Marcus Coleman at 184, I think Jackie and I have both talked to him about this. Like what's changed from previous years to this year for Marcus Coleman and his mentality? And he said, I got sick of losing. What have you seen from Marcus that's changed? Is it just the I'm sick of losing? I'm gonna work harder than I ever have and commit myself to this, or what have you seen change from Marcus? I,
1: I I think a lot of the stuff comes down to maturity and I'm not talking about like he was like immature. I'm just talking about growing through it. Like when you have been essentially you come on the scene as a sophomore in high school. Right. And you win. Right. And no one like really expects you to win, but you win. So now you're a winner. Right. And you have to replicate that again. You got to replicate and then you get to college and you're going back down to essentially the bottom of the totem pole, but there's a lot of different shifts. You know, the coaching staff shift um, from the KJ era to the dresser era. Um, When you signed up for, initially signed up for this and then decided to stay for this, there's just a lot of different changes that take place in the demands on a college student athlete and a college wrestler in particular, they're heavy, especially if you want to win. I right? like they're heavy. And if you're not used to that demand or what is being asked of you, it's extremely hard. Like there's no other way to put it. It's just it's just difficult. And you have to, again, build you have to build up the tolerance. You have to build up the capabilities. You have to build up your. Resilience you know, because you're going to take those lumps. Now, how do you respond to them? You have to build up your strength, you know, your cardio, all those things have to get better from when you were a freshman to now he's a red shirt junior, like all those things have to get better if you want to see success. And I think that's the thing that has happened. And then, yeah, mentality wise, you're like, I hate this feeling of losing. Like, I don't want to feel like this at the NCAA tournament. Like, it's cool to get two pins, but it would be much rather better to advance to the semifinals or the NCAA finals and experience experience what that feels like than to just get two pins on the backside, you know? And so I think recognizing that has been extremely valuable for someone like Marcus is just like, yo, like, I'm just about to go out here. i I worked all summer. He worked again. He was in the room with, you know, myself, he Marcus um, or with younger Marcus and everyone else, you know, trying to get better and grow themselves. And I think that is what is showing that when you put in the time in this sport um, and you continue to water, you know, you water your garden, like, Eventually, you're gonna see you're gonna see some things start to to bloom and pop up, and um, I'm hoping that they can, you know, you know have a have a very ripe harvest down at the box center and and Tulsa, and then uh, repeat the same type of thing um, at the NCAA's in Detroit. You know,
2: something with Marcus that I always actually think of you as my most. Like memorable interview I feel like I've done with you is when you and I had a really extensive conversation about how you always want to work to wrestle free, and um, the coaches have con- consistently said that with Marcus, it always comes down to he just have, needs to get out of his head he needs to just remember that he is great and he can be great and in the last few weeks, especially in the last two losses, I know you could just see it on Marcus's face, you know that. The disappointment of having walked out of some tough losses there, especially at you and I, but you know for someone who has talked about the way you've just worked to get out of your head, how have you seen Marcus get to that point or really working towards being in that similar you know place that you have described of being able to wrestle free where your mind isn't taking over
1: Well, I think um Marcus has a great support system. Marcus is also very, he's extremely quiet. He doesn't say much. I'm a man of few words for sure. And so what I've seen is just, I I think what I've seen is a relationship blossom with the other person on the staff that is a man of few words, right? And I feel like they've connected and clicked. And even like the other day, like if you were to like, if you were to put this, um, In a video clip, if you go watch Derek St. John's 2013 NCAA Finals match, you tell me if you can find Marcus Coleman in in the fray of things. You know, because it's it's gonna be. I I told Marcus the other day because I sent him the picture. I was like watching Derek's you know NCAA Finals match, and I was like, is that Marcus? um and he's like it's 2013 it's in Des Moines you know he's a young young kid from Ames Iowa but it's it's things like that right like things that come full circle like that right like in 2013 he was watching Derek wrestle in the NCAA finals probably not rooting for him who knows um but <laughs> now Derek will do anything in his you know in his power in his being to make sure Marcus Coleman is successful You know, and I think that's a really, uh, it's a cool thing. And I think they've, they've, um, connected and they have a really good relationship. And, um, I think you build on those things, like you build on those relationships. And a lot of times when you're an elite level athlete, um, it's something as maybe minimal or as big as when you look in the corner, what do you see from your coach? And if you see calm, you're like, I got this. doesn't matter if I'm down 6-0. If I look over, like I think you can see Marcus look over maybe a few times um, in that that Missouri match more specifically and look for confirmation. And I can't be sure who he was looking at, but just like, hey, keep chopping away keep chopping away. We're still going to be in this. And he was, he fought himself back into position to win the match. He wasn't able to at that point. But I think if you have a rematch of that this weekend, I think he's going to be extremely confident that if he goes out and starts the match with the same pace that he started with after, you know, going down by that amount of points, then he's going to put himself in a really good position to beat a lot of people and and beat a lot of people by a lot of points. And so like I said, when you when you look over at the corner and you see confidence, or you see if you look over and you see fear um, or unsureness from your coach, then that's what you're going to more than likely put out, right? Like that's what's going to be essentially admitted to you is those feelings because you're like, oh, snaps! Like what what's going on here? Um, whereas if you look over and you got stone face St. John looking at you like, go score. <laughs> um, it's going to probably emit a certain level of confidence, like, yo, it doesn't matter. I can still go win this, you know? And so I think that's one of the things that I've seen is just connections and relationships be built. And I think that's extremely important and can't be, um, you know, undervalued, I think, relationships have a great amount to do with success.
2: So just in terms of looking at bigger picture, you know, have you, I'm assuming you've been in the room with these guys since they started practicing again, what was it like last week on Wednesday? I think they started hitting it again. Um, What's been the energy and, you know, just for someone who's been with the program for so long how have you seen the practice room change to what it is now?
1: I think you have a, a lot of guys that are, are willing to fight. Um, you just have a lot of guys that are willing to fight. There's, there's a lot of guys, yeah, just a lot of guys willing to fight. And uh, I think that's the most important piece of wrestling. Um, my dad always used to tell me, um that wrestling is just a controlled fight, you know, and so for me if you can't if you can't fight, then it isn't gonna matter how great a shape you're in, it isn't gonna matter how good your technique is or how much mental you know like how how great of a mat i q you have um you have to be willing to you know fight and scrap and you know, bleed and sweat and, and cry and do all all things in between to really see success. So I think you're you're seeing guys fight and that's extremely valuable. Extremely valuable. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing like that's a, it's okay. It's okay to it's okay to be in a controlled fight. You know, now uh, you, you're not seeing guys, you know, get black eyes and and bum lips from, you know, throwing fists, but you're seeing guys that don't, that'll scrap for every single point. And um, I think that's an important as well.
2: And then just, you know, I would say had a really strong finish. They went undefeated in the Big 12. How have you seen the team respond to that type of? you know, attention, you know, there's clearly a target on their back from the rest of the teams heading into this weekend. Um, Yeah. How have you seen them respond to that type of success?
1: I guess um, we don't, we don't know yet. Right. Because they haven't been the, essentially like the top dogs. Right. So I think this is the weekend where they're going to go in and people are going to be like, Oh, you guys might be for real, but we're going to, we're gonna test you and 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 try to find out like how real are you guys, you know? And so coming into the postseason, everyone's as cliche as it is, everyone's zero and zero. And it's like if I can do something to shake up or throw throw a wrench in your plans, kudos to me. So I think a lot of teams are gonna be looking to, you know, shake some things up and Iowa State's going to have to embrace that according to those Big 12 seeds we're supposed to win but supposed to never won, you know, like you got to go out and and take it and demand it and that's when you really find out you know what type of team that they have because I mean they did it during the dual season right? like they, they did it during the dual season, you know, like you went down to that Oklahoma swing and you, and you won both of those duels, you know, gritty duels. Then you go up to you and I, and you guys figure out a way to get it done, you know, and then you go down to Missouri, you know, and these are all away, right? These aren't, these aren't in the comfort of your home. These aren't in the comfort of your bed. Um, so it's not that they're una, unaware that they can win, you know, like they, they did it at all these places. They won at Oklahoma. They won at Oklahoma state. They won at UNI with a rock ruckus crowd. They won at Missouri when they had their governor there, you know? So I think they've, they've showed that they can win in different environments. And I think this weekend they're going to have the same type of environment, right? Like you have the big 12 championships in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is 45 minutes from Stillwater. And they have an opportunity. Um, I think Oklahoma State's going to have a good amount of fan support. And they're trying to win, I don't know, what is it like, I don't know, something ridiculous in a row, for 14, 13? A million, a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they everyone's going to have to do their part on the Iowa State team um, to make sure that they're leaving with a – a big 12 trophy that they can visibly hold, you know, like I think that's one of the things that they want is something like they can visibly hold, like dual champs is cool, right? Like we want all of our big 12 duels, right. But they didn't get any hats for it. They didn't get a, a trophy and, and those things. So I think they really want to do it where they get to hold something and it's tangible, you know,
0: absolutely um while we're on the topic of the big 12 tournament you wrestled in an era where there were four big 12 teams mm-hmm. now there's i think 13 with missouri now as an affiliate member there i think there's 13 big 12 teams now um where how do you are see are you trying to
1: discredit my big 12 championships
0: no not at all no <laughs> that's, that's not what i'm doing you're the one won those anyway my man i promise you that um but no, how do you see the health of a wrestling, but b the health of Big Twelve wrestling now with all of these affiliate members? You're bringing in high quality programs like Missouri, like you and I, SDSU and NDSU have proven to be good. Northern Colorado obviously has a lot of Iowa State connections. Um, how do you view the Big Twelve and where it is right now, and just the, its overall health in this tournament coming up? Here's my clip that I need you to cut for me, Jackie. Right here.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: The Big 12 is doing great with wrestling. What they need to compete and put the same product out that the Big 10 is, is they need a me. They need to (laughs) let me go commentate all the Big 12 duels to run the content. They need a social media person that can – you know, cut videos of the Big 12 athletes and brand, you know, brand the conference that the Big 12 isn't taking a back seat to the other conference, right? Like you need to showcase your student athletes. You have some of the best student athletes in the sport of wrestling and you need to showcase them. You need to showcase the clips, the highlights, you know? Um, you need to do a, a, a greater job influencing and being a front runner in the sport. And I know the perfect guy for that. So that's my own self-promotion. So (laughs) Bob Bowlesby, whoever reports to him over at the big 12, you can give me a call um, or you can talk to my manager and we can get something figured out because I love (laughs) the big 12. I love wrestling and I want to see it grow. And so if you have people like that, I think as a whole, the Big 12 can do a really good job of showcasing what the tournament's like. You know, like you have someone behind the scenes covering, um, you know, the ups and downs of the tournament or covering a David Carr, um, someone covering an A.J., maybe a Ferrari even this weekend, you know, and showcasing what it's like when he can't compete, how, you know, like what his demeanor is and things like that. Like we have to do a better job of getting – content and getting things online so kids when they're making their decisions about where they want to go restaurant like oh i have to go big 10 because <clears throat> they're going to build my brand like there's great schools in the big 12 too um and so we have to definitely the big 12 definitely has to grow their presence you know online and attaching to the the kids that are up and coming and showcasing like yo there's opportunities here in the, big, in the Big 12 as well as, you know, some of these other conferences. But I think the Big 12 definitely has to do a, a better job of showcasing the talent, showcasing, you know, all the positive things about the Big 12 because, I mean, we're, we're watching the Big 10 do it and they're doing an amazing job. Um, so kudos to them and everyone they got working over there. But I definitely feel like if the Big 12 wants to really – um compete and have teams that can win a national title. Um instead of them all going to the Big Ten schools, then they're gonna have to step it up if they want to see, you know, national titles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm assuming everyone that's listening to this podcast knows, but Kyvin does the play by play and not the play by play, the color commentary for cycling.tv with um Tom Crochelle ESPN for all the cyclone What was that? ESPN plus now. Oh yeah. ESPN plus. Good call. Thank you for the Come correction. On, Shame on me. Shame on me. <laughs> um, and he does a phenomenal job with that too. Like I've learned so much just from watching replays of that. Some of the live ones I've been able to make it to every home dual meet. Um, so some of those live stuff, he has so much good, um, commentary and it just, he notices details that me, a person who did not grow up around the sport of wrestling, he notices details that I could never see. So, um, Kyvan is fantastic at, um, commentating. I think he would do a phenomenal job for the big 12 if they'd be open to that. Um, but yeah, that's really all I wanted to say for that is just help Kyvin out and hopefully get him down there to Tulsa one of these years. I, I, the I, I, that's
1: what I'm saying. Like, I haven't got a call. I didn't, I did all the Iowa state, you know, the duels. I haven't got a call from, for the big 12 championships. I was kind of disappointed about that. Um, as well as like, NCAA. says like, yo, like, I think I'm, I'm, I'm growing in my commentary. I think I can be great at it. And I think I just need, you know, opportunities and I'm, I'm super appreciative of Iowa state um, for giving me those opportunities. And then now our Cyclones.tv, which has like transitioned to ESPN plus, like I had a blast, you know, um, commentating and commentating the duels. And um, I just, it's something that, I find very valuable because I know there are times when, you know, like I was in college and um, I don't think we had always had like commentators. And I think it provides something to the fans, you know, at home. And I think it also provides like a, a different perspective because again, we're supposed to be talking about the seven minutes. Right. And, but there's so much more that goes into those seven minutes, right? Like you think about if you wrestle one match, a weekend, like on a Sunday, how many hours of preparation or minutes went into preparation for that seven minutes and just in that week, you no. Know? So those are things to think about. Look, I could do, well, do, and do, also, do a show on that, Big
0: 12. There you go.
2: <laughs> you, honestly, some of the things you said, I'm sitting here as a content creator, like, wow, that is a really good idea. I would, like the AJ Ferrari one, that would be fascinating. I cannot imagine this weekend for him. I truly cannot with just who he is as an athlete and who he was being predicted to be. I can't even,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like it would be I'm, interesting. Look, look, I'm, I'm a big content guy, big, big marketing guy here. You know, I got great people <laughs> around me too. So if, if you guys got any ideas, you know, let me know and we can, you know, figure something out.
0: So. You mentioned you being a marketing guy. You work for the Iowa State Athletic Department right now, correct? What do you do with the athletic department?
1: Oh, so with the athletic department, I am the associate for student-athlete and letter-winner engagement underneath Lindsey Long. So that's a a new unit that was established in 2019. So essentially, we help the student-athletes with their transition into college from high school and try to help them you know, recognize the habits and the details and decisions that they made to be successful in high school and transition that to college so they don't have to go through like a huge learning phase and they just can continue on with those habits. I know that was the area I struggled with is I was successful in high school because of, you know, structure and standards that were in place by like my mom and my dad and my family. And then I got to college and was like, oh, I can do what I want. (laughs) And those weren't successful habits, right? And so (laughs) um, trying to help, again, help the student athletes like understand that before or without having to go through the learning experience that, you know, like is is important and I think it's extremely valuable. So I, I, I love the work that we're doing. Um, in that office. My associate position is only a one-year position, though. So um, I, I'm looking for some some different opportunities right now. So.
2: so going back to just your experience this year, you know, doing the commentating, what were some of your favorite moments looking back over the season?
1: My favorite moment for Iowa State... I guess I wouldn't have like a specific call because they beat up people pretty bad. Um, like at the home <laughs> duels. So there wasn't like a specific call that I like really got like, you know, like big eyed. Like it would have been fun commentating like the you and I or the Missouri duel. Um, that would have been super fun for me. Um I guess the you want the mic buddy was <laughs> pretty um pretty fun for me. Um but no, I just, I just love giving the, the people at home an experience. I think that's, yeah, just giving them the experience and educating them on a sport that I really love and I'm fond of. And the one thing I always want to remember is there's people's parents watching. There's, you know, there's people's loved ones watching. So you can get across your message of kind of what they need to do or what's happening out there without trying to um, demean someone or break someone down. And I think that's happened um, to me before in my career. Um, Again, with things that were kind of uncontrollable outside of the seven minutes um, bleeding into those, you know, seven minutes. So that's one thing I always keep with me is that there's people, people's loved ones watching, there's their families watching and your job is to educate and get the picture across without trying to, you know, break down someone's character or um or demean them. So that's what I try to think about um when I'm when I'm commentating.
0: I think that's a phenomenal perspective that you have with um these people these guys, these competitors' loved ones are watching and they are gonna take what you're saying to heart, even if you mean it or not. Um, but you also said the educational aspect is something that you really enjoy. And that for me is, I think that's the best thing you do. Your, how you break things down is excellent. And maybe it just starts at ESPN Plus for you with Cyclones.TV, sitting down with Tom Crochelle or Kevin Dresser or something and just going, breaking down little matches, matches moments and matches and um, just helping some of the casual fans, even people like me, really understand what's happening in a moment during a match. I think that would be great because you do a great job of it during a match, but I'd love to see a 10 minute breakdown of just a little 10 second sequence of why this is so important and how they got to this position. You mean like Matt IQ that I did with like Les Miruchia back in the day? Yes, exactly. 100 percent I was
1: just thinking that. I was about (laughs) to say Cyclone Fanatics, you guys have the information like we can we can make those things happen. Cause I'm telling you, I could have outside of the Hennessy and stuff like I could have the dopest wrestling show like like club Shay Shay like Shannon Sharp you know like <laughs> I'm telling you I could do it I wouldn't be drinking Hennessy on set though but good call that's just me <laughs> I, I would be eating some championship Kivando, dough another selfless plug um <laughs> but you know shout out to ISU Creamery
2: hey definitely worth the plug here um definitely something people should do is go hit up the because where is it is it at the is what that the isu creamery
1: at the isu creamery what is that the food sciences is that food sciences
2: the food science building you can plug away on that so if you guys are ever on campus that's where you should go um so then looking ahead um Will you be around next season doing that then? Or do you not know yet?
1: I'm not sure. I would love to. I mean, it, it depends on, like, life circumstances and situations, you know, what works for, you know, like me and my daughter and things like that. So I'd love to.
2: Well, then, do you have any final thoughts, any final questions? Or even Kyvin, do you have any final thoughts or anything you'd like to hit here?
1: Um, I'm just excited to watch this, this Iowa state wrestling team um, right now, this year and the, in, you know, in the coming, coming days and I have, I think pretty good relationships with everyone on the team. Um, so I'm excited to watch them from just like a, like a, a brother perspective, you know, like I've, I've sweat in there with them, you know, like I've worked with them and, I'm just excited to see how they can can make their own stories, you know. Like that's something that's always cool for me is like when people are successful, you don't always get the backstories of of them unless they're maybe they're an NCAA champ. But everyone isn't going to be an NCAA champ, right? Like that's just the truth of the matter. Um, But if everyone works to be that ncaa champ or to be the best version of themselves um then i think you get a you get a lot of really really cool things and really cool stories that take place
0: for sure i think the thing that i'm most interested in this weekend is to see how or if Iowa state is going to prove people wrong. And it's not just a dual team. It's also a tournament team. I'm, that's the thing I'm going to be looking for the most is guys like, I mean, Jared Dagan, he's proven himself to be an all American for Iowa state, but he's ranked in the twenties or the high teens or something. He has not a fantastic seed. And I think it's a three seed, four seed, something like that for Dagan pre-seed, but he has the ability. We know he does to be a big 12 finalist, a big 12 champion um, guys like Kyson Tarakino, who's a six seed, he's beaten the number one seed this year. Can he step up? And he hasn't looked overmatched in any of his losses either. Can he step up and can he be in a big 12 tournament champion? So um, I'm really interested to see if Iowa State's dual success does transition to the tournament. Um, I wasn't on that bandwagon earlier in the season. I have said that, but I think I'm, I've convinced myself that this Iowa State team can definitely be a very good tournament team.
1: Me too. I th- I think they can really do that. And the, that's what I'm excited about as well, Ben. I think you got some sleepers, you know, that have had maybe some up and down results that in like 133 and 165. Um, and so I'm excited to see how they respond um in terms of Ramazan Adesayoff and and Isaac Judge. So if if I'm picking sleepers to outperform um where they're where they're seated. Um, Those are going to be my, my guys that I'm, I'm rolling with.
0: I like that call.
2: I think I'm definitely excited just to see, like you guys said, I would say prove themselves and really just show people what they're made of. But like last night I went up to the third or the third, I went up to the upper level at Hilton to get a picture of everyone in Hilton for the women's game. And, when I was up there, I was just thinking like, I can't wait for the day that Iowa state gets to this point where it's not just diehard tour showing up for those duels. And I had someone ask me last night, um, my friend, Steph Copley, Cyclone fanatics podcaster asked me if I truly believe Iowa state will get to that point. And I think right now they've, you know, drawn in a lot of casual fans and a lot of people are definitely listening after you go undefeated in the regular season. But I think just how they continue to perform as individuals and as how they finish out the month of March, I think is going to set a big precedent of people, you know, buying in those people who aren't as into it, you know, how we are, I would say. So I'm definitely excited for the team as a whole and just to see the response they get from the fan base.
1: And you and that's the thing, I think Jackie, you've built yourself though to this point. Like you your first time covering wrestling, you weren't probably like, oh yay, wrestling, you know, like because <laughs> wait, what when was your first time? Like twenty eight twenty eighteen or twenty
2: seventeen? The first duel, or it wasn't even a duel. I went to Practice. the cyclone open. I went to a oh. cyclone open, the very first cyclone cyclone open under Kevin Dresser.
1: Okay so like that was Uh, 2017 yeah Mm because I know you came you came and took some pictures right for the RTC maybe I did okay I did come
2: into a CRTC practice
1: and like look the pictures you took then versus the pictures you took now (laughs) look totally different so you built yourself to that right and you built yourself into a person that loves and appreciates wrestling so I think that just shows that it can happen when you get the right education and you get the understanding and you want to know, Oh, why, what makes this person good? What does this person think? Like, you're like, You know, basketball and football is overly accessible to people. So then there's a lot of people that talk about it, but if you don't have the right people talking about wrestling and the right people showing excitement, it doesn't give people the opportunity. And then if you're not showcasing, you know, like I think one of the cool things last last week at the 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 basketball game is, like the team got to go out um, at at, um, at a, a timeout, you know, and be recognized as uh, regular season Big Twelve dual champions, you know. And those things are cool because now you got 10,000, 11,000 people that are like, oh, who are these people? Why are they out here? What do they do? People want to watch winners, if we're being honest. Like, people like to watch winners. They want to be around winners. And if you don't showcase that you're winning, then how are people supposed to know? You know, like, you don't have, everybody isn't um, as vocal or um, maybe as, their voice doesn't carry like a David Hall, they, David Cars does, you know, in the hallways at the start, you know, like you, you can be in a whole different room down the hall and you'll hear David say something. you are be like, Oh, there's David, you know, like, so <laughs> when you have have that and you have winners and you have guys that are achieving success that hasn't um, happened in a while, you know, um, and are putting themselves on a pace to do something that hasn't happened in a while you need to appreciate it because those times aren't promised. So I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about the program. Um, I'm a big Iowa state guy. I love Iowa state wrestling. Uh, I love wrestling in general. So, yeah.
2: I'll have you know that I've been a fan and lover of wrestling since 2009. All right. Then started Iowa state. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Apologies. See, no one, no one knows your story. If you don't share it. Wait, so when I did you get started? When did you get started at wrestling? wrestling?
2: When I was a freshman in high school, I became a manager? wrestling manager.
1: Where did you go? And high I did school? it all four
2: years Colfax high- Mingo. Oh,
1: okay. 2009. Were they good?
2: Mm-hmm. No.
1: See? <laughs> See,
2: it, wasn't, you liked, it wasn't a very you,
1: you 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 liked it from the trenches. That's deep. Did you have like a boyfriend or something <laughs> that did it? What made you a wrestling man? You know,
2: you Are we know, not gonna, that's we not a, get into that? Okay. No, we can. We definitely can. I'm just offended You would ask me if I had a boyfriend. Uh, no, I just had friends that were like, hey, we think you should come hang out with us. And I said, sure, why not? Because I was new to Iowa. I had just moved to Iowa. Okay. And. I didn't even know what wrestling was at the time. And so I just said, sure, why not? Something to do, I suppose. And it was immediate. It's just the environment of being at a tournament. Like if you think back to how long those Saturdays were at high school tournaments, it's all I did. And so it was very, it was very quick for me after I spent one entire Saturday at a tournament running around between all three mats. So.
1: Okay. Keeping stats. T2, E1.
2: <laughs> um, yeah Real I tough. learned I learned stats the hard way I had some very tough coaches who were not afraid to tell me to clean it up if I wasn't doing absolutely
1: well I, I learned it as a kid too my dad was the same way so I get it I do understand the stat game now it's like a little bit easier with track <laughs> and stuff but I feel like everyone should have to do it by like paper at least once but that's just me being an old head I guess
2: no, I think it'd be beneficial. Now it's nice, you know, Ben, think back to you haven't been retired that long. It's so nice when Ryan or um, I can't remember his name, the other guy who helps um, comes in and gives us the bout sheet. And then we just get every single point just right there for us. Yeah, it's
0: you amazing. just get to count the takedowns. You get to see, oh, Younger Bastida had 10 takedowns. Great. Write it down. You didn't have to yeah. keep track of it. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Well, Kevin, we are extremely grateful that you joined us and let us take your brain ahead of this big weekend. As always, Ben, I appreciate you as my co-host. And again, shout out to Fairway for being our sponsors this season. Um, so, yeah, thanks, guys.
0: My pleasure. Thank you.